Welcome to the show. This is episode number 56 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about Groundhog Day on your Bing podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Before we get into the show today, we wanted to remind everyone that we have a Patreon where you can support the show and get access to outtakes, live watches, and behind-the-scenes extra stuff. And if you go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing, you can check out everything we're doing. And I also wanted to mention that uh, there's a new podcast called Movie Crush, where uh, famous people come on and talk about their favourite movies, but very much it's a casual interview where they talk about their history in movies, movies that have impacted them, actors they like, and then they spend maybe 20 or 30 minutes talking about their favourite movie. I'm really enjoying it, so I thoroughly recommend everyone to go and check it out. But the latest episode, uh, as time of recording, is Griffin McElroy talking about Groundhog Day. And really fascinating. They went into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with what Bill Murray was going through, what he took on set with him emotionally, um, his falling out with Harold Ramis. They do some really good insight into the time loop and discussion of the philosophy of the movie and so on, which we're going to touch on a bit. But by and large, we're actually going to leave out some of the stuff they do because it's so interesting. Uh, listen to us, because obviously you're listening to us now. Don't stop. Don't stop. I see your finger moving. Don't stop. Thank you. Uh, but do go and download them and check out Movie Crush with Griffin McElroy. It was, it was a great listen. We also wanted to let you know about a campaign that we're taking part in this year called Two Pods a Day. It aims to introduce podcast listeners to two new independent podcasts every day in January and February. We hope to give visibility to some of the great indie podcasts that you maybe haven't heard of. Two Pods a Day encourages you to listen more, listen indie. You can find more shows like this one by following the hashtag Two Pods a Day. That's the number two pods a day on both Twitter and Facebook. So, we're going to be talking about Groundhog Day. Um, Mandy, how come you've not seen Groundhog Day? Honestly, I don't know. Mm. I think I'm going to have to fall back on my... I didn't know who Bill Murray was, and in 1993, this was probably slightly more adult comedy than I was watching at the time. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I know I watched Jurassic Park that year, but somehow this movie was not on my radar. Mm. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) That's fair. I, I think I saw it a couple of years after it came out, but I definitely owned it on VHS because I enjoyed it so much. So maybe I watched it on TV and then bought it. Okay. It's one that I I can remember watching a lot for a good while, and then I think I've never re-bought it on DVD. So I haven't seen it for ages, and it was, yeah, it was fresh coming back to it. This is a solid film. Well, good. All right. Well, Groundhog Day is a 1993 comedy starring Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. It was directed by Harold Ramis, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Danny Rubin. 
Reuben came up with the story after he asked himself, if a person could live forever, if a person was immortal, how would they change over time? But filming an immortal character with the world changing around them was too cumbersome to film, so he combined this idea with a previous idea he'd had about a man living the same day over and over again. Punxsutawney Phil was played by several groundhogs, collectively known as Scooter, and apparently they didn't like Bill Murray very much. He was bitten twice during shooting and even had to get rabies vaccination. This film is often included on many best of comedy movie lists, and the Writers Guild of America ranked the screenplay as number 27 in their list of 101 greatest screenplays ever written. And then in 2006, it was added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And then in 2016, it was also adapted into a musical, which I kind of want to see. I'm not sure. Because I'm pretty sure, well, I'm pretty sure Tim Minchin did the music for it. And I am a really big fan of Tim Minchin. Yeah, same. But I'm just not sure how you could turn this movie into a musical. So I'm I'm intrigued about it. Yeah. It feels like it might be um Elf the musical, which I've only seen There's bits of. Elf. Yeah. It's it's not good. It leans much more heavily on the romance stuff. Uh, okay. As as I understand well, it, not having seen it. But I'm gonna cast judgment right. anyway. <laughs> all right. If you haven't seen Groundhog Day, um, it's about a weatherman named Phil Connors who is reporting on a Groundhog Day ceremony when he finds himself reliving the same day over and over again. Uh, how were you able to watch this film? I found it um, on Stars On Demand. It's not streaming on any of the regular subscription services. But luckily, I have Stars, so that worked out pretty handily. Oh, great. How about you? Um, it's available everywhere over here. <laughs> which is unusual approaching the time when people normally watch this the, the film you know like how we found halloween films weren't available before halloween and christmas films weren't available before christmas admittedly right. groundhog day is not a thing over here um but it was on netflix i think it's on amazon it was on sky cinema i ended up watching it on netflix because i watched it on my computer okay and uh, i will point out though as much as groundhog day is not a thing over here i have seen tv listings where like in the magazine they list it as groundhog day the film all day Okay. Just Groundhog Day at 10, Groundhog Day at 12, Groundhog Day at 2. And do they do that on February 2nd? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So Mandy, what were your expectations for the film? Well, I like Bill Murray now. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was going to be really good and really funny. Okay. But you didn't, did you know what sort of film it was? No, all I knew was that it starred Bill Murray and that he relived the same day over and over again. And somehow there was a love story in there. Okay. Because, I mean, what else are you going to do with a movie that stars Bill Murray and Andy McDowell? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what's your experience of Andy McDowell and then Bill Murray? We, we've seen him before, but what else have you seen him in? Um, yeah, this is the third Bill Murray the movie that we've done on mm. the show. <laughs> so clearly I've not had much experience with Bill Murray in the past. <laughs> um, but, but apparently you're educating me. So, um, yeah, that that's where we are in Bill Murray. I still know him best just from pop culture kind of osmosis just knowing who people are mm. what were the other films that we watched with him in uh ghostbusters and scrooge oh yes and, yeah yeah okay and i'm pretty sure this won't be the last will murray movie that we do hmm i'm going through the list well ghostbusters 2 is still on the list oh yes oh yes there's always <laughs> ghostbusters 2 <laughs> that's, yeah that's yeah. hanging over us isn't it <laughs> um and, and i mean there are movies i don't think we have what about bob on the movie but 
on the movie on the list mm. but but people have been asking me about that recently and okay. it's a bill murray movie so maybe okay um andy mcdowell i always just associate her with the john travolta film michael mm. and then i went and looked up her filmography and that was the only movie that i really was familiar with She's done a couple made-for-TV movies, and she's been in a couple episodes of TV that I would have seen her in. But when I think of Andy McDowell, I think of Michael. Interesting. You've Have you seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? No. I made Matthew go speechless. <laughs> I'm not sure what to say to that. You know how you always <laughs> say, like, oh, yeah, I'm growing up, I only like these kind of, you know, 90s films that are kind of a bit sappy or romantic. and But you've not seen Four Weddings. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, listeners, let us know. Is it worth going on the list? Is Four Weddings an important one? You've seen Love Actually, yeah? Yeah. And, and have you seen Notting Hill? Yes. Okay. But you've not seen Four Weddings. So I am aware that... I, I know that Hugh Grant is in Four Weddings and a Funeral, but no, I have not seen it. Oh, he's in that. But he, it's a wildly different character. He's just so okay. different from anything you've ever seen. Hugh Grant... No, I can't keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, interesting. That's what I always think of her from. I'm not even sure I have seen anything else with her in. Michael is a really good movie. Just saying. Okay. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, no, no, yeah, I have seen, yeah, St. Elmer's Fire, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Green Card, Hudson Hawk. Yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. Nope. She has, but I haven't seen it, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yes, on Movie Crush, they did reference, apparently she's really good in Magic Mike XXL. Okay. Mm. I have not seen that either. I haven't. I haven't seen the first one. I'd be worried about not being able to follow the plot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, Matthew. Okay. All right. Okay. We, yeah, we've been waffling too long. The, the core concept of this, as you say, is a man living the same day over and over again. To the extent that is now called the Groundhog Day trope. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. is, it is a, a... The film itself has become an expression for a concept when you find yourself repeating an action. What's your experience of that trope of other films and TV shows doing the same day or the same thing over and over again? So I went to Wikipedia and looked up the list of movies that have time loops in them. Hmm. And there were two that popped out at me. One was one of those Hallmark Christmas movies that I watched this year (laughs) called 12 Dates of Christmas. And it's exactly the same concept. She relives Christmas Eve 12 times because it's 12 Dates of Christmas. Um, and then Doctor Strange has that brief time loop mm. where yeah. he keeps going back to Dormammu. And then I was looking at the rest of the list, and most of the movies in that list I haven't seen. But some of the ones that I have, I don't view them as time loops. Okay. So I think going back in time, like the movie Primer, have you seen that? It's not ringing a bell. Um, it, it's about these two dudes who invent a time machine in their garage, and they start end up getting in a fight and so they keep going back in time to relive the same things to kind of outdo each other and that just seems like a different concept to me because they're not stuck in a loop they're doing it to themselves yeah okay and and so that's why i kind of differentiated between time travel and time loop Mm -hmm. when we're thinking about time loops in tv there's the the buffy episode with the mummy hand yeah god i should know the name of that episode and i don't life serial Yes, yes, it's called Life It Serial is the badly in, named in episode. Six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like there was one in Farscape. There was Back and Back and Back to the Future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Trying to think. Um, that's all I can really think of. 
Okay. I'm sure there are more, and I'm sure you're prepared with the list. I'm sure there's a list somewhere. The, the There are a few that jumped out to me when I was thinking about this. Um, Doctor Who, Heaven Sent, isn't quite the same thing, but is also the same thing. Right, yeah. Um, there was the Discovery episode, Star Trek Discovery, uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which was a, a, an internal loop, but it was the same sort of thing going happening over and over again. It was just someone was actually causing it to happen. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, you're not up to that one. Okay, it's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> there's an X-Files episode, which does it superbly as well as one of the great X-Files episodes. There is an episode of The Next Generation called Cause and Effect. Star Trek The Next Generation, just in case you're not sure. Um, it's, it's not Degrassi The Next Generation, for instance. Um, <laughs> cause and Effect, which does this same thing, but they never become aware they're in a loop. They just have this... No, they think they're in a loop as it goes on because they're getting a slight sense of deja vu each time and things happening and things coming out slightly differently. Um, but it's it's done really cleverly because it is uh, the, the usual thing of the Enterprise explodes on every loop um, and then resetting. Right, I remember that. It was a year before Groundhog Day. So, oh, so that's almost the origin of it, but Groundhog Day arguably does it a lot better uh, because he's aware of yeah. the loop. For movies, there there are actually a number of recent examples. I couldn't find anything older, but there was... I mean, you and I talked about the film Happy Death Day that we wanted to see. That is Mm -hmm. Groundhog Day, but she dies. (laughs) Right. Which I've still not seen. Still has a silly title, but I still do want to see. Uh, There's a a film called Source Code, which is not quite a loop, but is reliving the same events over and over again. Which was okay. A little far-fetched what they were doing. But there's two really good examples. One is Looper. Yes, I haven't seen that, but I want to. Okay, that's that's worth having on the list. That is a good film. Okay. And then there's also a film called Edge of Tomorrow. I also want to see that, and I have not seen it yeah, yet. Which w- Although somebody spoiled it for me just this week, because we were talking about Groundhog Day. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that, was, that was in the cinemas, I think it was called Edge of Tomorrow, which is also a bad yes. name. But then on uh, DVD, on home cinema release, it was called Live, Die, Repeat. Which is a much better name. <laughs> really? Yeah. I had no idea they changed it. Or I think it's called, like, how the Ghostbusters um, reboot thing was called Ghostbusters Answer the Call. But in cinemas, it was just called right. Ghostbusters. This was right. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. But Okay. Live, Die, Repeat is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even though I've been spoiled on it, I do still want to see it. I have an interesting relationship with Tom Cruise movies. Mm. I, I can't stand Tom Cruise, but I, I love his movies. Right. That's fair. So, I, I, so yeah, I do want to see it. Yeah, I expected it to be hugely stupid, and it was really good. I thoroughly okay. enjoyed it, and it was it was much smarter than I expected it to be. So, um, right. I just want to throw out a couple of other examples to recommend to you. I mentioned Griffin McElroy before. Um, he hosts a podcast called The Adventure Zone, and they did a whole sequence that had this idea of the loop going on again and again and again, which was really good because they were learning how to play the game and how to solve puzzles really quickly in an hour each time. Um, so that mm-hmm. was good. That that he, in fact, based off Zelda The Ocarina of Time, which has some of this idea of learning to do things again and again and again. And I have a book recommendation for you, Ooh, which is a okay. rare thing. The book The First Fifteen Lives of Harry August, um, an author called Claire North, who is one of my favorite modern authors. And, and this person, Harry August, when he dies, wakes up as a baby and lives his life again. But it's the same years again, over and over. Should I tell you that... I tried to read that book on your recommendation before. Oh, have you? (laughs) 
Um, I never finished it. Okay. <laughs> it's really solid. To to finish off the kind of blurb bit for any listeners, um, at something around his like fifth or sixth life, at his deathbed, someone comes along to him who is someone else who lives again and again and again and says, the world is ending and it's getting sooner and we think it's to do with you. So at some point in the future, there's you know, a nuclear catastrophe. Huh. But it's getting so Okay, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it, it is. It's really good. Claire North is, it, she's a very good writer, but she's not brief. And she does write in almost in the style of other people sometimes. There's a whole sequence in this that is set in Russia, and it really feels like a Russian author. Okay. Maybe that's why I struggled with it, because the it was the writing, it didn't capture my attention. Mm. But hearing you talk about it oh, really sounds good. really good. So maybe I'll give it another yeah. shot. The world building is wonderful. And and you can see her in, in her most more recent books getting a bit smarter and, and it's a little briefer. Not necessarily as okay. brief, but my, my fiance struggled with it as well at times, but got through it and it's been a, a book we, we recommend to everyone. Okay. Okay. We've done a lot of talking about films that are not Groundhog Day. We have. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Groundhog Day? Did you enjoy it? Oh, it's so complicated. Okay. <laughs> for for, my for instinct... what should be a fun, silly Bill Murray comedy. Yes. Okay. Uh, when it was over, my instinct was to sit back, cross my arms, and say, I hated that movie. Okay. <laughs> but I laughed a lot while I was watching it. Hmm. Uh, there were bits that were genuinely funny. Okay. So th- there was a point in the in the middle of the movie where I just completely disengaged and backed off, right. and okay. that becomes very evident if you if you read my thoughts doc for this week, it stops at like point twenty seven in the middle of the movie, mm. and it's just because I completely disengaged. I was just not happy with what was happening on the screen, and then I could never kind of get back into it when it got better. Okay, because Phil Connors is a really terrible human being at the beginning of this movie yeah very firmly and he's very very rapey (laughs) in this movie yeah i mean i was frustrated enough at him i mean it really is kind of creepy stopping asking a woman what all of her favorite things are because you know you're gonna see her again tomorrow Mm -hmm. and you can use them to manipulate her Mm. to go out with you that was i was already having some issues with that but then he finally goes on his date with Rita, and she doesn't want to go to his room, but he convinces her to go. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to kiss him, but he forces himself on her. Mm-hmm. She's saying no, no, no. She's struggling, pushing away from him, and he's just holding her tighter and tighter until finally she can get enough of her arm out to slap him. Yeah. Oh, no, really, Phil, I'm tired. We can see each other tomorrow. No, tonight. It's got to be tonight. No, Phil, really. (laughs) Just stay for a while, and then if you like it, stay for a while longer, and if you like it, stay for a while longer. Let's not spoil it, okay? Not spoiling it. I don't want to spoil it either. You know I can't, I can't stay with you. Why not? And that is the moment where I just, I was done. Yeah, it's played almost for laughs about how charming and bad he is. But it's, it's got that archaic feel of baby, it's cold outside. Oh, yeah. It, it's that kind of thing that now when you look at it, you're like, this is slightly problematic. Even without the, you know, there's no line like, hey, what's in this drink? Which is problematic in a modern setting. But there's just something about it that's like, no, dude. 
dude, dude, you're not doing yourself any favors here, no. Yeah. I mean, I think in 1993, it was supposed to be funny. Yeah. And it was supposed to be okay. Mm. You know, oh, look how much he wants her. And he, he can do whatever he wants because he wants her. And, and she wouldn't remember it. <sighs> so that's it's fine. Just... No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then it leads into the montage of slaps, which is something at least. But it shows how... In fact, it, does it go straight into the montage? Um, I think it does, okay. yeah. Because I know I know, well, you get the montage of slaps at some point, which is great because it shows that he keeps trying and she is a consistent enough character that she keeps rebuffing him. And I quite like that the montage is getting earlier and earlier in their date. But you also see the bit where he tries again the next day and when they're having the snowball fight... No, that's it. Yeah, it goes into the bit with him trying again the next day. And it goes into the snowball fight. And, and he's just over the top about, oh, I love these kids. Hey, you kids up for adoption. And and then when they fall to the ground laughing, he's like instantly moving towards her. There's no natural element to it. Well, yeah, she wasn't laughing yeah. because he had gone insane at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it is highly problematic at that bit. Yeah. Yeah. I have no defense for it. I have no way to move beyond it other than, yes, I completely agree. Okay, so let's talk about his transformation then, because mm. he is very clearly a different person at the end of the movie than he is at the beginning of the movie, and even at the middle point of the movie where he's being all lecherous and rapey. But I had a little bit of an issue with that too, mm-hmm. and part of it is because it felt like – I want to know, do you think that transformation is actually genuine, or do you think he started changing just because he got bored of being a really terrible human being every day because he just ran out of people to annoy and, like, try to forcibly kiss. Yes, I think it's genuine when you eventually get there. Oh, it's really hard. So, so his first inclination is to do the, almost the, he, he starts doing the pickup artist thing of finding out women's things, and then, like, what high school did you go to, and then introducing himself, and they don't remember him, and all of this. And it, it is, it's it's what he goes to first. That's clearly what he wants out of the situation. And even the... Stealing the money and doing ridiculous stuff. It's described on Wikipedia as rambunctious behaviour, such as binge drinking, one night stands and reckless driving. However, Phil soon soon becomes depressed, being stuck in the loop. Now, it's missing out the whole bit with Andy McDowell, so Wikipedia, you need to get that better. Um, But, yeah, she rebuffs him, and he then realises, like... I I think he realises, why am I doing this? What is this for? Why, Why am I still pursuing this? And he has the whole thing about what if nothing you did mattered. Uh, and it's... it's it. The other time that I hear that line is an angel where he talks about if nothing we do matters, the only thing that matters is what we do. And it is the point that he then starts going, I've walked past this homeless guy every day and, and shrugged my shoulders or turned the other cheek or something. But now I, I might as well give him the money. Like, what does it matter? You know, I might as well do this thing. And then, and then he buys him the soup and then he sees that the guy is poorly and dying he takes him to the hospital and the guy passes away and then we see that great montage of the guy dying every day and he cannot save this one person he realizes look if i'm going to try and do something why don't i do something that is positive that matters that makes a difference and it does become genuine him catching the kid and making the comment of you know i've caught you every day i'll see you tomorrow you never say thank you him saving uh buster from choking him getting the couple together all of this kind of thing Mm-hmm. I, I think he does have a realisation of, well, I'm stuck in this situation. I only have 24 hours that I can do stuff, so why don't I do good things? Okay. So he starts trying to be, like, 
I'm going to stop everyone from having a bad day and everyone's going to have the best day because of what I do. And that is going to right. matter, in inverted commas. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I believe it. But do you? <sighs> I'm not sure. I mean, I, I said up top that my feelings about this movie are complicated. And, and part of it is just because I had such a visceral initial reaction mm-hmm. that it's hard to kind of reel that in. Um, I was having a conversation about it last night, and the perspective that, that my friend brought into it is that this is basically life. It, it's like a metaphor for living your life and realizing what matters in life. Okay, And, yeah. and that's the experience that, that Bill Murray's character is going through. I mean, yes, it takes 50 million eternal, eternal loops mm-hmm. for him to get there, but when you step back and kind of look at it, it's realistic. I mean, not not the logistics of, of reliving mm. a day, but, but the ebb and flow of, of his character and personality and how he does decide at first to go crazy because he can do whatever he wants. And so he steals the money from the bank and buys the car and, you know, and then does the, the crazy driving, the drunk driving and hitting yep. the mailbox and... All of that stuff, you know, you, so you start out being really impulsive and reckless and, and the word you used is rambunctious. Mm-hmm. And then he moves into, well, if there are no consequences, then I can do whatever I want to get these women, you know, and then he keeps on moving through that. And I think the more interactions that he has with Rita start to change him a little bit. And he starts to wonder exactly like you said, what's the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. And and he does end up in a place where... If I can only do this one day, then let me do this one day to the best of my ability. And I really like that. But it's really hard to accept when your first reaction was just so visceral and negative. And so I'm trying to weigh those two things in my head and kind of recognize that there are a lot of really good things about this movie. Mm -hmm. And that maybe his redemption is okay. Yeah. But I'm still having a hard time with it. Because <laughs> having seen him try to game the system in terms of picking up the women, is there an element of him gaming the system to be like, perhaps I can get out of the loop if I have a perfect day? No, I, I'll be honest, I didn't get that feeling at okay. all because, I mean, we don't even know how many loops he had. I mean, it's in the many, many thousands, mm. I'm sure. Oh, I'm going to be asking you that in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and so I think he was just accepting this is my life now. This is all I do every day. Mm-hmm. And so I never felt like he even thought there was a way to stop it. Okay. Except I mean, sorry, let me let me roll that back. He thought there was once with Andy. Ugh, not Andy. I keep calling want to call her Andy. With Rita. Mm-hmm. I think he thought that getting her to be nice to him and and having her see him as a nice person would stop it and then he woke up the next day because that didn't end the loop and so after that he was just doing what he wanted to do right hmm. i really like that um the thing that it's metaphor for life your friend is very smart yeah i can absolutely see that how, so, so the question then is how long do you think he's in the loop for remembering he learns to play piano to ice carve all these different things happen to different french. people he speaks french <laughs> he manages to find wrestlemania tickets yeah, I I think he relived that day like thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Like mm. probably like five or ten years worth. Okay. If 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 not more than that, yeah. because I don't think that adds up to thousands, but I, I think it's in the decades. 
to, okay. which, which it, it, yes, it absolutely equates to someone living a life. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. The other thing about the time loop that I like about it is, is although I talked to you in, in, in the beginning about your experience of other films with this same sci-fi element, there are lots of films like this that are about learning a moral, learning to be a good person. You're probably thinking the very obvious one, A Christmas Carol, is kind of this story. There is a bad person, he is taught to be a good person. Yes. There's lots of other stories like that, like Bruce Almighty and Click, uh, various other things. Mm-hmm. When this film came out, it wasn't talked about very well. And, and I think one of the things that has done it well, no, it wasn't talked about badly, but it wasn't like everyone raving about it. And in a little bit, it's got this cult status now, or this popular status now. And I think it's because you come to appreciate that the film is not doing certain things, and that actually improves it. There is no god or mentor or moral element to this film. There's no person saying to him, when you are a good person, you'll be allowed out of this time loop. Or anything like this. He just has to get there through natural evolution. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it doesn't have an explicit thing about what is causing the time loop, what he has to do to get out of it is what allows it to show every element of it. That initial thing of, oh my word, I'm caught in this time. Well, the very first day where he's like, this is a bad dream. The next day where he thinks, oh, maybe I can get away with stuff. And then he realizes he can get away with anything. So he starts doing the rambunctious behavior. And then he goes through the depression and we see him killing himself. And then he starts getting over it. And and the thing about, I believe I'm a god and eating anything he wants to. (laughs) Um, You have, and then into actually being nice to people, actually saving people, actually realising there could be worth in being stuck here and giving other people a nice life or a nice loop. Right. I can't think of anything else that's done it in quite so much detail, but every stage of what someone might go through, that's how well this is written. Mm-hmm. One of the things that always catches me out a little bit is that the film ends with this grand party, presumably a Groundhog Day party. Um, yes. Which is a thing. As it turns out, who knew? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he goes to this Groundhog Day party. He's auctioned off. She pays hundreds of dollars for him. The cameraman's sold for two bits, I think. But we only ever see that on the perfect day. Why is that the only time we actually see that party? Is it just a, a production issue? They couldn't have everyone together all the time. So It was referenced on several of the loops. Okay. Um, and, and most of them filled it and go. He thought it was dumb and stupid, and he was trying to chat up some other woman. Right. And and so I think that final perfect day is when he finally got all of the pieces in place to help every single person who was there. Mm. And so that's why mm. that's where we ended, I think. Yeah, because Buster is the Groundhog Day chief, whatever. <laughs> but we see him choking. Are we to take it that actually in other loops, Buster choked? And if you don't have your Groundhog Day chief, perhaps you don't have a Groundhog Day party? I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. as long as the Groundhog's there, it's fine, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so here's my question mm. about the party and, and that last perfect day. Okay. And this flows into kind of the ending. So I'm, I think I'm going to start with the ending and then kind of work backwards. Okay. This movie ends with Rita and Phil together. Mm-hmm. Having had a day of, like, one single day where Rita started off the day thinking he was a terrible person and ends the day in his bed, they wake up together the next morning and suddenly they're talking about, let's move here. Yeah. 
And so from Rita's perspective, that's what happened. Just one single day with him, which given some of the loops that we did see of him spending all day with Rita can make sense in that movie Insta Love kind of framework Mm -hmm. that is so very popular. But on this day, he didn't spend that day with Rita because he was out there making the world better for everybody in town. So I don't understand how this really worked on that last perfect day. Yeah, they obviously spend the evening together and he makes an ice sculpture of her. No one's ever made an ice sculpture of me. Um, (laughs) I'm not not sure I'd want to do that on a date in like minus two temperatures. Right? (laughs) But they obviously have a very nice date and then go back to his apartment and talk and talk and talk. I, I think there was an explicit line of, you just fell asleep. So they are telling us they have not done anything here. Right. So she has just fallen for him through other people's opinions of him and seeing him doing good. I think you're right with the Insta love comment. Yeah. Yeah. Now, another interesting thing I saw was that there was a draft of the screenplay that also had Rita having a time loop. Oh, really? And so part of me wonders if some of this is like a remnant of that. Maybe she was experiencing more of him than we thought. Mm. Or maybe that's in a version she was experiencing more of him than we see. And and maybe in this draft, not all of the vestiges got removed. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's easier for me to accept that, I think, than to accept this ridiculous insta-love of <laughs> one night together after she had already hated him and then suddenly... We should move here. <laughs> I I feel like the let's move here. It's not a bad final line, but I feel like it's there so they can do the thing of let's rent. Which I think is supposed to imply like, oh, if I'm going to be looping every day, I'll never have to pay. Ha, 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 ha. Something like that. But it's a bad final line. <laughs> I honestly didn't even pick up on it because I was just like, I can't believe that they're talking about moving in together and moving <laughs> to this town. That That's where my brain was. <laughs> yeah, I I think perhaps we're not supposed to read too much into it. Because, of course, this is just a, you know, blissfully in love, happy together. Right. Yeah, You know, the honeymoon period of, of first meeting someone. So maybe that's it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't read too much because it is just a, a throwaway line, I think, to do a, a, what, it should, what it's supposed to be a funny line. Okay. I don't like it. That's okay. You don't have to. No. What do you think causes the loop to finish? Is it her falling for him and realizing he's a good guy? Or is it him having the perfect day and giving everyone else the perfect day? They play it very much as if it's because of Rita. Right. That he finally has a day where he ends the day with her and she hasn't slapped him and walked away. <laughs> because he, ha- he had several perfect days with her up until that very last moment. Mm. And this is the only time where she ended up in his bed. And and he wasn't doing it, it for selfish reasons. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think that's what the movie wanted us to think. Although they do kind of lean very heavily into he does have to make the day really good for everybody in the town. I mean, I, I think it's pretty awesome that everybody in that town knows who he is so well after just one day. Yeah. For them. Yeah, I begrudge the line from the piano teacher when he's playing at the party and she goes, that's my student. 
So no, if he's yes, this good, I did too. he has not come back to you for a lesson that day. And you cannot say after one lesson of him playing like that that he's your student. Unless you're a yes. real braggart. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was a real braggart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt the same way about that line okay. too. But I think that was thrown in for the benefit of the audience though because we have experienced the loops. And so we've seen all of these things every day. Mm. And so from our perspective... She taught him how to play the piano. Yeah. Okay. I have a few smaller points and questions and things, if I can run okay. through them. Uh, Andy Medell's accent was a lot more Southern than I remember it. Is that her actual South Carolina accent? The really funny thing about that question mm. is I didn't pick up on her accent being very, very Southern, except for a few times. Okay. And a few things that she said. So I don't know that I can answer that question because I didn't hear it. Mostly. Um, Did, she is very, I mean, she is Southern. Mm. And so generally when she speaks with a Southern accent, it is going to be her voice. I just didn't hear it in this movie. Okay. I wonder if she puts on a different accent in like four weddings. And that's how I was expecting her to sound. Hmm. Maybe on to watch for. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the couple. I wanted to comment on the uh, couple that he gets um, WrestleMania tickets for. Debbie and Fred. Fred is played by Michael Shannon. Really? Yeah. I don't actually think I ever looked at his face. He doesn't look like Michael Shannon, but I think it is also because he's a very young Michael Shannon. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, so, so that surprised me reading that. Debbie is played by Hinden Walsh. Of course, as you will well know, famous, famous Hinden Walsh. <laughs> Which, I have yeah, no, no idea. I'm only commenting because it's so strange that I... Literally on the same day, watched her in another film because she's the voice of Harley Quinn in Batman Assault on Arkham. Okay. And it was the same day that I watched both of these, one for Across the Arrowverse, one for Pop Culture Deprived. And look, looking her up, I'm like, oh, isn't that weird? Her name's in purple. I've also clicked on her recently. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I wanted to comment on them. I Yeah, that uh, that surprised me a lot. And it surprised me it was Michael Shannon. Like, it seems like such a... Oh, not the film I would have expected to see him in. Right. Mm. Um, and then one question for you. If you woke up in a time loop and after two or three loops you realised that you could do whatever you want, what would Mandy do? What would be your first go-to, I've got 24 hours in a small town? I would binge all of the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not very glamorous. That's the first thing I would do. Eventually, I would get bored with it and I would start doing more of the things that he did, you know, like learning a language and learning, mm. you know, the guitar, the piano. Eventually, I would get there. Um, but I would start with sitting in my recliner, watching Netflix, <laughs> and finally having time to watch everything that I have wanted to watch. <laughs> I am super self-aware, okay? <laughs> 200 loops going through the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean all the tv shows i'd finally get to watch x-files mm. i mean it would be fantastic <laughs> nice what about you what would you do um i i am food motivated so that bit of him surrounded by the cake and the donuts and the chocolate and the ice cream and the, yeah that'd be it okay i'd be like oh, yeah I, i'd probably bake stuff and eat it as well but mm -hmm. yeah would you eventually start trying to perfect your bakes yeah probably Okay. I mean, they're perfect as is. Thank you, Mandy. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Absolutely. You are right. 
But no, yeah. Sometimes it takes you two tries to get it perfect. That that would absolutely be me. I'd be like, right, chocolate from here, chocolate from here. Yum 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 yum. No dieting. Okay. It does not matter anymore ever. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think I would probably have a little bit of that too. All right. Well, let's talk about some of our favorite moments. Mm. I think you probably have more than I do. So let's let's start with you. Uh, particularly the beginning of the film. I love any time Bill Murray gets hit with a snow shovel when he steps in the puddle. He's quite good at <laughs> physical comedy because he doesn't overreact. He's, right. I mean, he's so deadpan anyway. But yeah, it, it always makes me chuckle both because he's a terrible person and deserves it and because he plays it well. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a few good lines throughout it. When he asks the house, the, the woman who runs the house he's staying in. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that woman cracked me yeah. up a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, she's just like very hand ringy. Mm. <laughs> I liked her. Uh, I, I always like the line where he's driving down the train tracks towards the train and, and he just goes... He's going to swerve first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nice. That's my kind of line. And then pure Bill Murray. This could be in any of his films where he quotes the French poem and she says, you speak French? We. Oui. And he gives her that look, just this knowing like, yeah. see how clever I am. Huh? Bonjour, mademoiselle. Right. <laughs> yeah, that could be him from anything. Well, here's a question for you. Oh. How much of Bill Murray's lines do you think were actually in the script and how much do you think he improved? I would say probably 75%, if not more, was scripted. Okay. This, this feels like something that you couldn't do. Like the bits where he's driving with a groundhog. Yes, I could see that being done <laughs> when he's driving on the train tracks or doing the drunken stuff. Moments like that. But by and large, the plot points of the time loop and what he goes through, stealing the money and going on the dates and stuff. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that has to be quite scripted. Do you know, is it 100% ad-lib? Am I way off base here? Oh, no, I don't know. Okay. That's why I was asking. I um, had the thought and forgot to look it up. Okay. So I was hoping that you had done the research, Matthew. No. No? no. Okay. We don't know. No. I, well, I listened to a podcast about it. And, <laughs> and like everyone is obviously going to take my advice in the beginning and go and listen to Movie Crush, but... I am desperately trying not to say stuff that they said, and I know I've done it a couple of times. I'm really sorry, but it was really interesting. They made good points. Yeah. <laughs> what were your favorite moments? Do you have stuff that you've come away from this going, yeah, I, you said bits made you laugh. What were they? Mm-hmm. So, okay, from the very beginning, like, I think one of my first thoughts was, does Bill Murray ever play a character that's not a dick? Yeah. You know, and so I was like immediately kind of turned off from just the character of Phil. And then they're in the van all together and uh, Rita's talking about Groundhog Day and and Phil's complaining that they have to be there and and everything. And and Rita says, people like it. It's sweet. And Phil goes, you know, people like blood sausage, too. People are morons. And my initial reaction was, well, shit, I relate so hardcore with this guy right now. (laughs) Because, yes, I wholeheartedly agree with his perspective right there. Hmm. Um, On on the blood sausage or on the people? Both? Uh, Both. Okay. (laughs) 
My other thing that I really, really liked is so Ned's character was ridiculously annoying, and I totally get why Phil started punching him and everything. But it cracked me up every time he said, Bing! Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Enough so that when uh, my friend's phone started making noises for text messages, every time it went off, I just said, Bing! <laughs> <laughs> That stuck with me, and I've done it today. <laughs> like, not even the same day I watched this movie. Like, two days later, I'm still walking around saying, Bing! Wow, I bet that's not going to get old. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to get old really quickly. But it, it it stuck with me, and I liked it. And I am a very silly person, so <laughs> those are the two things that I really Those are the that, two that things I that really made you liked. laugh. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. The, the cameraman? Yeah. There were other things. Yeah. There were other things that made me laugh. I just not not enough that they stuck out to me. Yeah. The the cameraman makes me laugh because I mean he's a fairly terrible human being, but he's justified in not liking Bill Murray throughout it. And then when Bill Murray right. becomes nice, he becomes worse. Which is a little hard for for the character, but also does show him up a little bit, but Yeah. Uh, and you just thinking about minor characters, you've reminded me that Buster, the Groundhog Day chief, chief of the Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. who's not a groundhog, um, that is Bill Murray's brother, who played his father in Scrooged. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So there we go. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Groundhog Day? I don't think so. Like I say, there's lots of films that are similar to this, both in the moralizing and in the time loop thing. So hopefully we'll get to watch that episode of uh, The X-Files at some point. And I'm fairly sure, like, all the Star Treks have probably done this. I know there is a Voyager episode that's not too dissimilar that does some of the same stuff, which is a, a, a Timeless, I think it's called, which is a very good episode. Um, okay. So so we, we might end up seeing similar things to this at some point. I, I would recommend going and checking out the first 15 lives of Harry August. It's okay. dead good. I, I will give it another shot. Okay. We had some really good feedback for the Monty Python's Life of Brian episode that we did. Uh, listener Andrew Polrang, at Andrew Polrang on Twitter. Um, a series of tweets, so I'll go through them. A thought on age appropriateness. At the time it came out, a certain type of socially liberal intellectual adults and parents often took a kind of pride in letting younger teens and tweens see movies like this, because while being crude, they also had lots of social satire. The fact that the movie was very publicly hated, in particular by conservative Christians, also might have had the reverse effect. If they hate it so much, there must be something to it. For me, the political satire was slightly better than the religious satire, the Judean People's Front versus the People's Front of Judea. It's just as relevant today. Groups and allies essentially on the same team still battle each other over the finer points of ideology. Mandy, I think you have a fundamental problem with absurdity. Instead of finding it funny, it just makes you confused and angry. That's not too unusual, but with Monty Python, which is all about absurdity, it's probably an insurmountable barrier. Also, I love Monty Python, but I'm aware that Monty Python fans can often seem smug about it, like we're clever because we get all the jokes, most of which rely at least partly on an interest in history, knowledge of British pop culture, and social trends of the 70s. I think that's so well expressed, all of it. They are some fabulous points. It absolutely is. And and I love that he called out that I have a problem with absurdity mm. because that's I think that is absolutely yeah. true. I just never would have been able to express it that way. And that's so succinct. And yes, because the ones that I've had the most trouble with are the ones that are like Life of Brian. I mean, it's not just Monty Python, though Monty Python 
is at the top of the list. <laughs> but I I think he's absolutely right. And I really appreciated that little nugget of, of truth about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the all, all the points about it, the, the fact that people might want younger children to see it because there is some worth to it and there is some interesting stuff going on. Um, I, I watched films that were too old for me, but because they were great examples of films, my parents knew I loved film. So I, I can completely understand where that point's coming from. Um, and yeah, I think there was, I, I did read a thing about how there was a leaflet campaign outside of cinema that actually increased viewership when the people were handing out leaflets because everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's go and see that film. Let's see what it's about. <laughs> okay. It'll be interesting this year because we're going to be, I think, do, planning to do a few more comedies. So it'll be interesting to note the ones that have levels of absurdity in them. There's a few that are coming to mind. So uh, we might uh, track that. I'm curious if my perspective will be different on comedies in that vein that aren't British. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if I'll get them in a way that I didn't get the British comedy. Yes, so that'll be something to look out for. Um, or I may just hate it because it's absurd. <laughs> I don't It'll know. be interesting to find out. Yeah, I- I'm looking forward to yeah. it. All right. Well, if you'd like to have your thoughts featured in this segment, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. Don't forget to visit the homepage to uh, subscribe to the weekly newsletter and check out all the other shows we do. The... Uh, link is eloquentgushing.com. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about Pacific Rim. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.